Coming up, more of this program. Stand up with Pete Dominic, Indy, Sirius XM 104. Well, today is Holocaust Remembrance Day, ending today at sundown. And after my interview with Sonia Dida, uh, Dodai, uh last week, who was a Holocaust survivor, it just, I, try, I put this together, you know, with not a lot of planning or preparation, but we have an amazing guest uh, today joining our conversation, talking about Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, and and after my interview with Sonia and uh, and the director of the uh, the film, uh, which we'll replay later on. The film is No Place on Earth. Janet Tobias uh, was the director. It just it, it just reminded me uh, that that a it's a Holocaust Remembrance uh, Week and Day, and b that there's there's just so much we most of us don't know, have never learned, uh, or or learned and need to be reminded of. So of course uh, that we can prevent this hor- uh, horrifying, terrifying genocide from ever happening again. And uh, very excited to have our first guest joining us. Uh, He is the host of Rabbi Wexler Teaches, which airs Sundays right here on Sirius XM's Stars Channel, Channel 107. He joins us now from Israel, actually, where I believe uh, Rabbi Wexler has retired to. Is that right, Rabbi? That's right. We're broadcasting on Sirius every week now from Jerusalem, where I live. That is so fantastic. Now, Thank you very much for joining us today. Let let's learn a little bit about you. You you uh, you spent most of your life here in in, uh, in the U.S. Uh, you were part of a, uh, a rabbinical staff at a major Manhattan synagogue, and you've uh, you've done a lot. Uh, you've founded a, a group. You've done so much um, uh, during your career, and now you've retired. It seems as if uh, you're not slowing down. So I'm not sure why you retired. But go ahead. <laughs> well, it's surely not to slow down. Uh, just to, to do something a little bit different. Uh, I, I uh, spend about half the time in New York, and we broadcast our our uh, program from the Sirius uh, studios in New York, which I assume is where you are. And uh, then the other half of the time, I'm here in Jerusalem, uh, living a life of an Israeli and uh, working on some of the articles and the books that I've decided to spend this latter part of my career uh, working on. So that's the kind of thing that you can do in two places, and that's what I try to do. What is a rabbi, and why did you become one? Uh, a rabbi is uh, really, the Hebrew word means a teacher. It means my teacher or my master. And uh, what it means is that you are somebody who is competent, knowledgeable in uh, Jewish texts and in Jewish law, and uh, you can render decisions about the law and the interpretation of texts and uh, that you, you uh, want to have that role as the principal role of your life. So uh, the way things are organized in the States, uh, rabbis generally work in synagogues. Uh, that's not true all over the, all over the world. Uh, in the Jewish community here in Israel, for example, there are many rabbis who have roles that are not necessarily associated with synagogues. a little bit different, uh, partly because the structure of religion and state is different here than it is in the United States. Why did you choose to become a rabbi? Uh, because I love to teach, and I really felt that it was very important for the generation that I represented. Uh, when I was in college in 1965, I graduated from college in 1965, uh, there was a great disinterest in religion. And I really felt that religion was very important in general, and that for Jews, it was important to rediscover their roots. In order to make that happen, you need teachers, and uh, that's the principal role of a rabbi. 
And uh, so I decided that that's the right thing to do. And uh, I uh, went after I, I finished college. I, I came to Israel because I, I wanted to be part of a very different Jewish experience, which is living in a Jewish state. So I did that for a year, and then I went back to New York and uh, studied uh, for the rabbinate for the next five years and was ordained at the end of that time. We're talking right now to Rabbi Harlan Wexler. You can hear him uh, every single Sunday here on SiriusXM, where he hosts his own program. Uh, uh, it's called Rabbi Wexler Teaches, SiriusXM, Channel 107 on, on, uh, on the Stars Channel. You know, I, I wanted to dedicate most of today's program to, uh, to guests from different backgrounds and, and talk in different ways about the Holocaust. Of course, it's uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day some will um, uh, tune in and hear us talking about the Holocaust. Some heard that we we're going to talk about it. Some will turn on the channel and there'll be a program on about it and they will change the channel. Uh, I've done that many times. I don't want to think about it. I'm not in the mood to think about it right now. It's uh, it's the worst thing ever. And, uh, you know, I, I learned about it in school. It was horrible. And uh, that, that that's it. That's uh, that's all I need to know. Your reaction to that kind of an attitude? <laughs> well, I think it's worth uh, staying tuned. Because the truth is that the stories that people tell, and you mentioned uh, that you had uh, had a story told last week, uh, the stories that people tell, they're not just hair-raising. They say something that I think speaks to all of us. Uh, you know, we take for granted the, the freedom under which we live. We take for granted the feeling that people should be protected. And it wasn't so long ago that uh, in some of the most cultured places in the world, mainly in Germany and Western Europe uh, and Eastern Europe, that those assumptions were completely invalid if you were a Jew, for example. A Jew was uh, somebody who could be rendered helpless and homeless in, in a moment. And uh, so many Jews and, and other people, and we all take this for granted. I heard a program yesterday, for example, uh, I was uh, in the car, and Israelis have been focused for several days on, on uh, what's called Yom HaShoah in Hebrew, Holocaust Day. And I heard this program which focused on other genocides, on the Armenian genocide. We have, I'm living now in the old city of Jerusalem, uh, really a stone's throw, about 100 yards from the Armenian quarter of the old city. You walk into the Armenian quarter, and they want you to know that they suffered a genocide at the hands of the Turks. Uh, we were uh, exposed yesterday to some of the African, the, uh, the uh, Tutus, and, uh, the, the uh, terrible genocides that have taken place in recent years in Africa. So this stuff is still with us. Uh, Pol Pot was not so long ago. People who were, were key players in all of that uh, are still walking around without having been punished at all. So I, I honestly think that this is, is something that one shouldn't turn away from. On a personal level, the stories are stories of people just like you and me. There are stories, and we can't take for granted uh, for a minute the gifts that are ours as free people. Uh, we're talking to Rabbi Wexler right now from Israel, and uh, really, really great points, of course, about the other genocides that have, that have happened, and many of which people are not familiar with. Uh, sadly, for whatever reason, you know, I've been saying, I think to 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 talk about why we're doing this today. I I gave our our press people here at SiriusXM the, a, a statement similar to the idea that I 
I think it's important at every stage in life to be reminded uh, about what the Holocaust was. And, and like you said, to listen to, to read, to watch more stories. There's infinite stories uh, from, from infinite uh, sources almost of, of what happened. And I think that you learn as a child in school. You learn again as a young adult. You learn again if you're privileged enough to go to college. But as, as an adult, something very um, awful, you know, kind of impactful, I think, happened to me when just watching as a parent, Rabbi Wexler, I was watching a, a, a program on television, and I saw these women who were in line naked uh, with their children in their arms being headed into uh, some kind of a, a, an execution. I forget which. But as a, as a parent, I looked at it from the parent perspective for the first time, and I thought there's a lot of value in, in being reminded or learning for the first time about the Holocaust at each stage in life. W what do you think? Unpack that for me and tell me. I'm sure you agree, but why? Oh, it's just so important. Last night I went to a talk. Uh, there were actually three talks uh, in, a, in a synagogue in Jerusalem. And uh, one of the speakers, the first speaker, was a woman who was oh, probably about 10 or 11 during the Holocaust. And she just described the way in which their life fell apart. And how as a child at that age, she saw people shot. Her, her father and mother, thank God, uh, were, were not. But everybody else, people in the family, all her relatives, were just shot right in front of her. And then she just, uh, as a child, was, was out on her own trying to find food and trying to find shelter. And uh, it miraculously, she she was she was saved, and uh, she was able to have people who watched out for her. And she made the point, which was a wonderful point, that she said, you know, we, we couldn't trust the poles. She was living in Warsaw. She said we couldn't trust the poles. You never knew who was going to turn a Jew in, because many people, the the, the Nazi government, the German government, had told people that they had to, had to turn any Jew in that they found because all Jews had to be exterminated. So and naturally, many people reacted and, uh, and, and did just that. On the other hand, she said she wanted to emphasize the fact that from time to time she was saved by Poles who just felt a humane need to save a young girl. And she said, my life is you know, due not only to to uh, what I was able to, to think about to, to save myself, but to some of the people who really, without them, I wouldn't be alive today. She told that story. And uh, there you are, that's a young girl. And now she's, oh, she must be, oh, late 70s or so. Keep that in mind, too, that the people who are still alive today are people who are children during the Holocaust. And one of the things that we feel is so important to do here in Israel is to listen to the survivors tell their stories because they're not going to be around for so long. Uh, we have today almost 192,000 survivors who still live in Israel, and yet they're dying at the rate of about 1,000 people a month. So you just do the math. It's not going to take all that long till the actual people who can give honest, first-hand testimony of what happened to them, that group of people is going to disappear, and it won't be long from now. 
I can only imagine that many of those who, who are children now either repressed memories, uh, uh, perhaps can't recollect certain details. Uh, but I would imagine that not unlike any any person who has had a, I don't want to, you know, you got to be careful with the words, but traumatic experience. It's much more than just trauma. It's life changing, uh, but doesn't ever share their story, Rabbi. Do you, do you think there are many who have just never told their story, uh, never written it, never talked about it? Uh, and, and just uh, for whatever reason, have decided uh, to try to forget it or put it behind them or not share it. Uh, I hear this again and again from survivors that uh, they kept their story to themselves. And uh, if it was shared, you know, a husband and a wife who might have <laughs> been through this together, uh, frequently they wouldn't even tell their children because they just felt this was too difficult, too painful. Uh, but the time has come when uh, so many of those people realize that if they don't leave a legacy, if they don't tell that story, that uh, it just won't be there anymore. Nobody will be there to tell it. So uh, the person who I referred to last evening, this, this uh, woman, uh, she too, she didn't tell her story right away. But uh, she knew that now was a time that uh, she didn't have forever. And it's very important for the survivors to do that. We have a phenomenon in Israel where many young people are actually pairing up with Holocaust survivors. These are people who are elderly and who have a lot of difficulty just in living and getting to a doctor. And some are also afflicted by poverty. Uh, you know, they went through this terrible thing in their lives. And... Some recovered, but some really never recovered. They were never really be able, able to build their lives into very productive people. I mean, they got along, but now they're old people. And so mm. we have in the school system some of the teenagers and the college students who are going out and trying to take care of a survivor. And as a result of that also, they're learning from the survivor the unique stories that only survivors can really tell. There's been uh, tremendous efforts uh, by Jewish community, non-Jewish community, human rights uh, advocates to make sure that everybody understands what the Holocaust was and, and, and try to get people involved some way or another uh, in, in, in understanding that, as you mentioned, one of those efforts right there. You know, I, I see a news story today, Rabbi Wexler, that says anti, uh, anti-Semitic attacks surged in 2012. Um, it's, it's, it's really difficult to understand how, uh, one human takes another human's life outside of uh, issues for self-defense. It's hard to understand how you could have a campaign of extermination of an entire race of people. When you look at anti-Semitism on the rise, uh, reports like that, things like that, uh, Rabbi Wexler, why do you... What do you think it's about? My wife and I had a private conversation about why people are anti-Semitic. Not that people that we know that make comments that are anti-Semitic would ever hurt a person uh, in any way, but it's it's the, ide- the ideology that begins, I think, that we need to try to prevent. What do you? How do you define anti-Semitism uh, in, in, in 1933 and 2013? Well, the really serious uh, form of anti-Semitism Today is the same as it was then. It's a demonization of Jews. And that demonization uh, really thinks that Jews are the source of all evil 
and that if you'll get rid of them, then you'll get rid of evil. And that may seem simplistic, but it's very, very basic to a lot of societies. They need to demonize somebody. They need to decide that all of the troubles that they have, the economic problems that they have, even the diseases that they catch, are really caused by somebody else. And unfortunately, that uh, for a variety of historical reasons, that, that place was taken uh, by the Jews, and uh, Jews have suffered throughout the ages as a result of that. And it just it, it, it's not as if what happened uh, from 1938 until 1945 was unique. And there's a whole history of uh, anti-Judaism uh, that goes back uh, to late Roman times and that is reinforced, really, by early Christianity and then classical Christianity in the Middle Ages. It's eventually then taken over by, by uh, Islam, but mostly in, the, in the, the most modern era, really, quite 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 recently. But it it is just one of the great social diseases of humanity. And uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of us thought, uh, I'm a child of the 50s and the 60s, and we thought during that period of time that the Holocaust would kind of put an end to all of this, that uh, anybody with uh, the smallest brain in his head would pay attention to what happened and would say, oh, this is crazy, you know, and it's too bad that uh, other people are so misinformed and, and so, so debased, uh, you know, it'll never happen again. Well, that's not true. Uh, anti-Semitism is, is much with us. Uh, thankfully, the world is different today, though. I mean, I, I think that it's very important to emphasize how different the world is. And I would under, underline, you know, really two very important differences. One is that the United States is the most important power in the world today, and uh, the power of the United States is, thankfully, for... Uh, by and large, uh, very, very good purposes, number one. Number two, the State of Israel exists. The State of Israel came into being. Uh, not that Zionism itself uh, uh, goes back only to the period around the Holocaust. Zionism is actually about 160, 170 years old. In some forms, it goes back 2,000 years to the destruction of the Romans, uh, of the State of Israel uh, in Roman times. But after the Holocaust, Jews were, they were just so aware of the fact that you need to be able to combat anti-Semitism from the position of strength. And Jews had no strength. Only with their own state do they have any strength. And Jews needed a home to which they could go, which wouldn't uh, turn them away for one reason or another. There wouldn't be a quota. And Israel served that purpose as well. So really, Israel is the, the solution to the homelessness and the helplessness of the Jewish people. And, and therefore, the picture, as bad as it is and as serious as it is, is just infinitely better than it was from 1938 uh, to 1945. Uh, we've been talking to Rabbi Harlan Wexler. He hosts a program right here on Sirius XM. It's uh, called Rabbi Wexler Teaches Sundays on the Stars Channel at Sirius XM 107. You said at the beginning uh, when I asked you what a rabbi is, uh, one of the words you use is a teacher. Of course, your program is Rabbi Wexler Teaches. So like any good teacher, uh, uh, maybe not like any good student, but uh, like any good teacher, I need some homework. Uh, okay. do, is there anything you suggest 
uh, in terms of reading. I, I, I finally got uh, Ellie Weasel's uh, Night, which I didn't okay. uh, get assigned in school. What can we read? What can we do? Give us an assignment, Rabbi, that we can take uh, away uh, from our conversation with you that all of us can do. Well, I would say, first of all, get any book by Elie Wiesel. Any book that you like. It almost doesn't make any difference, but Night is a good place to start. Okay. And, uh, and read it. Read it and just introduce yourself through literature to a great writer, a Nobel Prize winning writer, to the realities that he grew up with. He was a child and, uh, and went through Auschwitz and tells the story in his own very moving way. And uh, begin there. Begin we will do, with, with we will, something like that. We will do that. We will do that. Hopefully people will do that. And I, I can't thank you enough for uh, calling us uh, from Israel. We appreciate your time. We hope folks will go in the, and listen to your program on uh, on Sunday, every Sunday, on Stars here, 6 at 107. Rabbi Wexler teaches. Rabbi Wexler, it's great to meet you on the radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks so much for making a program on Holocaust Remembrance Day. I think it's a wonderful thing that you've done. Thank you. Uh, uh, Blessings to you from Jerusalem. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Uh, And when we come back, we will be talking to the director of the Center for the Prevention of Genocide at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. We talked to him last year. Michael Abramowitz will join us. We'll be right back.